This is Hal Hester, lead pastor of Vine Life, and this is our podcast, The Empowered Word. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective on what God is doing in your life. Please enjoy the message. All right, good morning, Vine Lifers. How are you guys doing? Good. It's good to see you guys. Good to be with you guys this morning. Um, just we're going to be taking a little bit of a break, a uh, short break from the current series that we're in. Pastor Hal's on vacation and this week, and so we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning focusing on something that God has been laying on my heart uh, for a very long time. And uh, I want to start um, this morning by asking this question. I want to start by asking this question of what is truth? What is truth? And that's a really big question. Okay, how do we define that? How do we define truth? What makes something true? Um, What is it in your life, in our world, in our culture that you know without a shadow of a doubt that that is true? That word and the idea uh, of what is true has been a topic of a lot of controversy throughout history. And we are not immune to this struggle of pursuing absolute truth in our culture. And it has actually become very extremely controversial lately, hasn't it? I mean, over the past decade, we have kind of dealt with some things that things we've known are facts since the beginning of time, all of a sudden are called into question, and this idea of absolute truth, even the idea that absolute truth exists, is called into question. Things we've known that were facts forever are now being called, well, it's only a fact if that person feels like it's a fact, or it's only truth or it's not truth because an individual is offended, Um, and so truth is only true to each individual based on how they perceive a specific situation. And that makes it very difficult to discover real truth when truth is allowed to shift based on our individual circumstances. So amidst our current truth controversy, I ask this question, what is true? There's a guy by the name of Daniel Patrick Moynihan who says this, I love this phrase and I use it all the time, you are entitled to your own opinions, but you are not entitled to your own facts. Have you heard that one before? A lot recently, right? It's not about, uh, you know, meaning that truth is true because it's true um, for everyone. It's not your preference, it's not your opinion. You don't get to decide what is true and untrue. Truth exists or it's false. Here's something cool about truth. Something interesting, truth actually changes lives. We base our lives about, around what we know to be true. Um, but what if what you know to be true isn't actually true? And I ask that because how many times have you changed the way that you do things based on new information that you have learned? I mean, think back to when you're a child. I know that's a little ways back for some of us, a little more than others. But think about this. We were born thinking that the world revolves around us. The world is all about me. All my decisions, all my desires, everything is about me, right? It's solely based on me. But as we grow and as we mature, we slowly start to figure out that the world doesn't actually revolve around us even though we really want it to. Some of us are still trying to figure that one out. Some of us are still in the maturing phase. Some of us have been stuck there for decades, and that's okay. For the rest of us, though, we discover that truth, that our decisions affect other people, that our choices have consequences to them, 
that our selfishness can actually create uh, negative life experiences. Again, some of us are still figuring that one out. But this revelation of newfound truth, it literally revolutionizes our lives. New information changes how we do things and how we live our lives. And this concept isn't some spiritual idea. It's actually a fundamental human characteristic. Our behavior changes when truth is revealed and applied. Can I say that again? I want you to grab a hold of this one. Our behavior changes when truth is revealed and applied. However, I can reject truth. I have that ability to reject truth. In my life, I can reject truth and attempt to live my life in a way that blocks out reality. I can decide to ignore truth and simply live in the consequences of what that lie produces. For instance, I can reject the fact that gravity exists and I can decide that I'm going to fly everywhere that I want to go. And, well, I won't go far and I'll probably live a very short uh, life with my face in the dirt, but I have that choice to reject that truth. Now, if I apply the law of gravity to my life, I have the potential to live a long, healthy, happy life. So that question comes up, what is true? What is it that's true in life? I want to apply this discussion to our lives this morning and our relationship with Christ because I think this concept of applying truth to our lives has an insane impact on, uh, our, on who we are in Christ, um, who he has called us to be, and ultimately how we gather and worship like we just did right now. This morning, I want to take a moment and I want to focus on the book of Psalms and unpack this idea of the truth of who God is and how that has the potential to revolutionize our lives, the way we live and the way that we worship. So if you have your Bibles with you today, we're gonna be in, uh, we're gonna start in Psalm 13. And there are a lot of Psalms. There's quite a few Psalms that actually convey this same message that we're gonna talk about. I chose a short one for you guys today to kind of start us off, okay? So just to kind of get us going. And, and the way that we unpack the Psalms is not necessarily through exegesis, which means it's the, we don't do it by breaking down each verse and each word and everything, um, but rather when we look at the Psalms, we're looking at the whole picture, the heart of how it was written and what was written behind it. So when we, when we do that, we get this glimpse of the human nature response or a raw reaction to God's presence in the lives of an individual. In Psalm 13, we see King David going through a very tough moment. And we really don't know what caused him to be in this state. And honestly, it's not really that important. The fact is that he's in a place of despair. And what he's feeling has created this barrier to what he knows to be true. Let's read together in Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to I don't know if you relate to what David is saying here. I mean, sometimes it feels as though God is far from us. Sometimes it feels like everyone is against us. Sometimes we're overwhelmed with the thoughts in our heads and we struggle to even grasp at our sanity from this craziness of life. 
And those of you guys who struggle with depression, that's a real place, isn't it? And if we live in this reality, it leads to a very dark place. As much as I would love to head in that direction and speak to the moments where we can exactly identify where David is coming from and where he's writing from, I kind of want to pull back for a second. Because I think that, that David's response um, is, is actually something we can all relate to um, when we look at it from a little bit more of a simple perspective. David's response, whether or not we're dealing with sorrow in our lives, whether we're not dealing with what David was dealing with, um, we can look at it from this simple perspective in that David's feelings were actually causing him to respond with something that was untrue. His response actually led him to a conclusion that was not true. And that is that God had forgot about him, that God was hiding his face from him. This feeling is simply untrue. It's just a feeling. What's happening here is that David's feelings become this barrier or this obstacle for him to understand who God is. God does not forget about us. He's not playing hide and seek with us. That's not true. In fact, the truth is that God is always with us. He says that he's going to be with us to the end of the age, okay, leading us and guiding us throughout our lives. Whether we see him working or not, God is with us. Now, if we identify David's feelings as this obstacle, as this, uh, as to identifying truth, then it's easier to relate to him. It's easier to relate with what he's going through because a lot of times, I don't know about you guys, actually, you know, it's probably true, but, um, you know, a lot of times our feelings get in the way of us seeing God's truth in our, in our lives, doesn't it? it? It might present itself in the form of pride. It might not be depression. It might not be sorrow, but it might be pride or it might be in the form of anger or it might be a disappointment or it might be discouragement or maybe even apathy because that's a really crazy spirit right now is the spirit of apathy, Right? David speaks his feelings out. He recognizes these feelings and he speaks them out. And to him, in this moment, this is what feels true. This is what feels true. God, you're hiding from me. God, where are you? You've left me. This is what feels true in this moment. And there's nothing wrong with speaking out your feelings. In fact, it's actually very healthy when you're in a safe place to speak out your feelings and what you're going through. That's okay. But you can't live in your feelings alone. You can't just feel something and base your entire life around that feeling. You can't just take up residence in this feeling. Like, I'm angry and I'm just going to sit here. I'm depressed and I'm just going to sit here. I'm hurting and I'm offended and I'm just going to sit here. We can't take up residence in those feelings. Eventually, you have to apply truth to your situation and into your life. This is how it plays out with David. He voices out his frustration. God, where are you? I'm sitting here and life is completely overwhelming me. I haven't seen you. I can't see you working. I can't feel you working. I have no idea what you're doing. I feel abandoned, God. Where are you? I mean, your lack of showing up the way I want you to show up is kind of causing me to doubt that you even care about me. But then he puts this crack right in the middle of his thought process and he uses this awesome coordinating conjunction, which is just a fancy way of saying he said, but. He goes on to say, but. This is what I know to be true. Your love is unfailing, God. You are my salvation, and my response to you in this moment of my sorrow and hurt is to worship, to praise your name, because you are good, and you always have been good 
to me. In other words, my circumstances do not affect who you are. My feelings do not affect who you are. They do not define your attributes and what you have done for me. I will praise you because you are worthy to be praised. I probably don't feel like it in the moment, but I will praise you anyway because I know what is true about who you are. In a later psalm, we see David is kind of on the other side of his troubles and he begins to praise God. And this is actually found in Psalm 40. David says this, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit and out of the mud and the mire and he set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you've planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of all your deeds, they would be too many to declare. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Church, sometimes it takes a minute for our heart to catch up with our mind. Sometimes it takes a minute for our feelings to catch up for what we know to be true. The truth is this. We serve a God who is faithful, who is good, who is mighty, who is our salvation. He is our reward. He is our redeemer. He is our defender. He is the prince of peace. He is the God of love. He is merciful. He is and always has been and always will be holy. He is the great I am, the king of kings. He delivers and restores. He provides. He is righteous and his love is never ending. And I choose to declare his attributes no matter what is happening in my life. It doesn't matter if I feel like everything is going wrong in my life. It doesn't feel if, like I've got nothing left. It doesn't matter if I feel like I'm right and my way is better and no one is listening. It doesn't matter if everything around me is crumbling. It doesn't matter if people come against me and attack me. It doesn't matter if the economy is good or if it's bad. It doesn't matter if I feel good or bad. It doesn't matter if I get some medical death sentence tomorrow. It doesn't matter if I wake up tomorrow and life as I know it is completely over. My circumstances do not change who God is. My feelings do not change what he has called me to do. That is to declare his goodness and to give him praise. And so I choose to worship. I choose to speak of his wonderful deeds. I choose to open my mouth and to celebrate his righteousness and his faithfulness in front of everyone. I refuse to stay silent about his goodness. Amen? That is what we're doing when we come here in this place. When we join together, when we gather together and we worship and we sing praises to the Lord, when we do that, we don't just show up here and wait for the right feeling. We don't show up here and wait for the right worship song or the right verse that's being spoken or the right message to express our adoration to God. We come here in this place and we worship, period. Speak truth. We praise in truth. We worship in truth. The feelings will follow. There's this account written by the Apostle John, one of Jesus' followers. 
And he describes this interaction of a woman uh, who once had this, this interaction with Jesus around a water well. It's actually a very famous interaction. You've probably heard this story if you've been at church for a while, where Jesus says something very profound to this woman when they get into this conversation about worship, where she's expressing what she knows to be true about how she worships. And Jesus kind of you know, corrects her a little bit. But Jesus gives us this clue when he speaks to her about how to get over ourselves when it's time to worship the Lord. I don't have time to get into the whole story at the moment. And I've preached this message a bunch because I'm a worship pastor and this is a favorite for worship pastors. But in this conversation, in this interaction, Jesus and this woman begin to discuss this idea of worship. And Jesus says this in John chapter 4. He says that God is seeking worshipers, people who are going to give God adoration and praise and live their lives for him. And he describes these worshipers as worships, worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. And this reveals something really interesting uh, about true worshipers uh, that God requires, that God requires us to worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit meaning that our, our hearts are engaged, that there is a spiritual connection between us and the Holy Spirit. That involves our feelings, that involves our, our emotions. And, and then there's the truth, being the knowledge of who God is in our minds, that you have to have both. Again, sometimes it takes a moment for our hearts to catch up with our heads. Sometimes it takes a moment for our hearts and our emotions and our feelings to catch up with the truth. But worship requires both heart and mind. It starts with the head. It starts with the mind. It starts with truth, knowing who God is, knowing that. And then that steers the heart. Sometimes we get that backwards a lot of times. We want our heart to steer our, our mind and our emotions and our feelings to begin to steer what we believe and that's just not accurate. And we come up with some weird stuff. But sometimes worship looks like us declaring the truth about God even when we don't feel it. That means when we come here on Sunday mornings and we worship and we, we declare the praises of God, sometimes we don't feel it. That's not a requirement to declare the praises of God. We do that anyway. We still declare the praises of God passionately because he is good. And this is something that we have to practice. David came to this conclusion in his moment of sorrow. He comes to this conclusion that God is good and faithful and, and that he's always going to lift him up despite his situation because he had this lifestyle of worshiping God. It was something that he always did. And so his immediate response to his sorrow, to his frustration, was to praise God. I'll be honest with you. This does not come naturally it actually takes practice. You see, our natural reaction when we're dealing with sorrow or depression or, or, or just feelings of anger or whatever it is, our natural reaction is to look inwardly, to feel sorry for ourselves, to go inward, to, to kind of develop this victim mentality. It, it's, it's called human nature. Sorry, we're all guilty of that. You know, we say like, why me? Why am I feeling this way? I shouldn't feel this way. I don't deserve this. What is going on? You know, I'm angry. I'm offended. Whatever that is. And the last thing on our mind is to think about someone else. 
And unfortunately, God gets kind of wrapped up in all of that mess. And, you know, some, a lot of times he gets blamed for our feelings and gets blamed for things that weren't even his fault. And then we choose to pull away from the Lord. We choose to pull away from God, ignore him, choose not to worship, not to praise. That's our natural reaction. And that's not good. But it almost feels as if it's unnatural to worship and praise in the midst of our situations. I'm not sure who needs to hear this this morning, but playing guitar, not something that comes natural to me. Um, I virtually have very, very little rhythm. Um, and if anybody in our worship team is here, they're probably nodding along. They're like, yeah, that's true. But I have been playing that chunk of wood and that group of strings for 25 years. I picked up the guitar when I was 15 years old and I decided that I wanted to learn how to play. Don't bother trying to do the math, I'll make it easy for you, I'm 43 years old. But here's the thing. Anyone who decides to start playing guitar or any instrument um, has to overcome this very difficult feeling of unnatural positions. Um, as, for, as far as guitar is concerned, you have to stretch your hand and your wrist in a very awkward way, placing your fingers in positions that don't feel comfortable. And then you have to separate your right from your left and you have to do two different things simultaneously and that's not natural. It doesn't feel natural at first. But the more that you practice and the more that you, you, you work through that awkwardness, the more natural that begins to feel. It, it actually has something to do with something called muscle memory where you are training your body to react to that instrument in your hands. And the final product of this muscle memory is that whenever I see a guitar somewhere, like I have this urge to go pick it up and play it and just hear how it sounds and I want to see it and I pick it up and play with it, you know. Um, I, I immediately want to make music. I haven't mastered it and I still get really frustrated with it. I still make mistakes as you can see sometimes, right? I still make those mistakes. But here's the thing, um, whenever you put a guitar in my hand, I'm going to make music. It's natural. I can't stop. I can't stop myself. It's just something that just happens. That's the truth. My hands know exactly where to go. My, my fingers know exactly what strings to press on. Even my lack of rhythm kind of remembers rhythm. It's weird. And so there's this truth involved in what I'm describing in the, in the fact that when it comes to playing an instrument, if your hand placement is correct, if your finger placement is correct, if you have put the time and the practice and practice the rhythms and the strums and your timing is correct, you can produce beautiful music with any instrument. Unless it's an accordion. That's just annoying. No matter how much you practice. Apologize to all the Weird Al Yankovic fans in the room, but here's what I'm trying to convey. What is true affects the outcome. It affects our behavior. If all the pieces line up while I'm playing guitar, the outcome is pleasant. But if, if, if one finger is out of place, if my timing is off, the outcome is very unpleasant. And to achieve this pleasant sound, there is this obstacle of overcoming the unnatural so that it feels natural. If we want to be in a place that we were created to be as true worshipers of God, we need to practice truth all the time. We need to practice speaking truth all the time. We need to align ourselves with truth all of the time. We need to worship in spirit 
and in truth all the time. Who is God? He is good. He is faithful. He is awesome. He is mighty. Right? And we speak those things out all the time. And then our natural response to whatever's happening in our lives is to say that God is good. Psalm 73. David says this. He says, as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all the day long. And though I know not how to relate them all, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, who is like you, God, though you have made me see troubles, many bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. Where does this come from, David? How are you speaking these things when you're in the midst of calamity, when you're in the midst of craziness? How are you speaking these things? It comes from knowing the truth about who God is, trusting his word, and trusting his love for us. Knowledge of the truth about who God is affects the outcome of our response of who God has called us to be and what he has called us to do. For those in that tough place, you feel like you're far from God, you're feeling lost, you're feeling broken, you're, you're feeling misaligned, you're feeling hurt, you're, you're feeling apathetic, I'm not asking you to fake it till you make it. That's not what we're saying today. I'm not asking you to just go through the motions. I'm asking for us to praise in the midst of our sorrow. I'm asking us to praise in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of our indignation, in the midst of our weariness, in the midst of our apathy, to praise and passionately declare that God is good even when we don't feel like it. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12 to let our bodies be this living sacrifice. That's our act of worship. King David describes bringing a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. There's a reason why they use this word sacrifice. Sometimes it feels like giving praise to the Lord is a sacrifice. We have to take our eyes off of ourselves and point them to Christ, point them to God. And sometimes it feels like that. But knowing the truth, declaring the truth, will always lead to freedom in our worship. Our spirits will align with the truth and we will become a light in a dark place. I want to share with you guys a, a story. Um, my wife and I, um, we have never had a nice lawn, like ever. Like that's just something we've always wanted, um, we've always desired, we've always been like, man, I really like, you know, we look at our neighbor's yards and we're like, man, they have a really green lawn and we don't. And we've always tried. You know, I'm not a green thumb guy. So no matter how much I overseed and fertilize and, and aerate and do all those things, I work on my lawn, man, I just can't get it together. I don't understand it. And so um, our, our lawn has always been kind of subpar, you know, um, in every house that we've ever owned across the entire United States. We live in a neighborhood with an HOA. And last month, our HOA decided to add insult to injury 
and make us aware of something that we are already very, very, very aware of. Our lawn needs help. And so we, we actually saved our tax return. We knew this was kind of coming, and we ordered five pallets of sod. And we decided to lay that in our yard. That's 2,000 square feet of, of sod. And um, we really couldn't afford to have it done professionally, and so we decided to lay the sod ourselves. And, um, you know, we're still youngish, and, you know, we knew what was coming. I've helped other friends lay sod. It's tough work. It's not easy. You know, it takes, it's a weekend job. And, and we knew what was coming. Um, we prepared the dirt. We killed off all the vegetation. There was not much to kill off, but we killed off what was there, and we set up this delivery. And we, we, we kind of, we eagerly awaited for this weekend to arrive that we were going to get these, this 2,000 square feet of sod that we were going to lay. Well, maybe, I don't, maybe it wasn't eagerly. I wouldn't, we weren't waiting eagerly. Um, it was more like these small reminders that we would give each other, you know, just like, hey, Desiree, are you ready for this weekend? She'd be like, not really. But we're going to get this done because we really need this. So a few weeks ago, the morning had arrived. Pretty recent, actually mowed my grass for the first time yesterday. I saw this truck pull up, you know, with our, with our sod on the back of it. And, you know, I'm looking out my window like this little puppy dog, like, woo, there's our sod, you know. And, and we're, I'm watching this, and I, I let the driver unload the pallets, you know, because he's kind of strategically placing them around the yard, being courteous, like we don't have to walk as far when we're, when we're, we're, we're installing this stuff. And we came out of the house and greeted the delivery driver, and he started to give us pointers about how to lay these squares and, and even what to do afterward, you know, what to take care of the squares, how to take care of the lawn afterward. And halfway through this conversation, really interesting, he just stops mid-sentence, and he looks at both of us and he says, you know what, you guys look way too excited for a couple of people that are about to lay 2,000 square feet of sod. <laughs> and I kind of had to check myself. Because I was a little embarrassed. I didn't want to look naive, you know, like, I'm, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm getting into. I know that, like, me, that night I was going to be in pain. I knew that I was going to be like, oh, you know, I might have to wake up the next morning, finish the job with a ton of coffee and a whole lot of Tylenol, right? And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, man, you know, I, I'm excited, but I think it threw this delivery driver off. I mean, it's not normal to wake up on, on your day off super excited to unload a few thousand pounds of mud and grass and carry it all over your yard. You know, bending down, standing up, cutting, placing, replacing, digging on your knees, back on your feet for hours on end. It's not normal for people to be excited when you're about to go through a tough situation. When the road ahead looks like it's going to hurt, people aren't usually excited about this. People usually aren't smiling. And it caught our delivery driver off. And, and we laughed together for a second you know, and, and, but then I had to explain. I said, you, you don't understand. We've never had a nice green lawn. We've tried, we've tried, and we've tried, but we could never really get things to, like, take off. And we know the next day or two is going to be really hard. I know. We're prepared for that. We actually, like, we're ready for this, you know. Um, we were, we're, we're not focused on that, though. I'm not focused on, on the hardship that I'm going to be dealing with right now. We're focused on what's ahead. You see, days from now... I'm going to have something that I've never been able to achieve on my own. I, in three days from now, I'm going to have a green lawn where there's death right now all over my yard. There's going to be life, where there's going to be growth, where there hasn't been growth in a long time. I know the truth of what our hard work is going to produce. I know the truth of what's coming yeah, I'm smiling in the midst of it. Yeah, I'm happy, you know. I'm kind of like a little gleeful, you know. But yes, I have joy because I know 
what's coming. Church, when we gather here together for worship, when we gather together in our homes, in our life groups, when we gather together anywhere for the purpose of glorifying the Lord, do we gather with this knowledge of the truth of who God is, of what he has done, of what he is doing right now, what he is still going to do? Um, do we gather under the truth of knowing that we have been set free by a God who loves us beyond our own comprehension? Do we worship with the knowledge that we get to, not have to, we get to declare the praises of a king who gave up everything just to be with us? Because if we do, then our worship should look a whole lot different. Here's the problem. We get caught up in life. We get caught up in ourselves. We get caught up in our culture. We get caught up in things, the busyness and whatever that is. And when we gather together, it's really, really easy to put our feelings before the truth. We allow our heart to steer the truth instead of the truth steering our hearts. And we look at our situation. We look at the tough road we're on. We look at the craziness of life and what's going on around us. And we let that affect our choice of whether we worship God in this moment or not. We let our situation define who God is in our lives. We allow our preferences to define the calling that God has placed on our lives, that is to praise him. We allow our emotions, we allow our feelings to rule over whether we declare God's praises or not. Can we just be honest this morning with, with ourselves? I mean, how many times have we walked into this room, complained about the worship or the message because, man, I just wasn't into it. Didn't apply to me. Not really into that style. I don't like that song. Can we just be honest with ourselves right now? When we gather here in this place, when we gather here to worship, I gotta tell you a secret. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not even about Pastor Hal. When we gather together in worship, it is about God. It is about his kingdom. It is about declaring his praises so all will see that he is God. That is the truth. That's the truth. The more we declare who he is, the quicker those feelings, our heart will catch up. We can, um, yeah. We can no longer treat our relationship with God with this attitude of what's in it for me. It's just we can't. I, I, I'm, I, it's like I'm only going to worship if, you fill in the blank, I'm only going to serve if, I'm only going to give if. If we only view our relationship with God on the basis of what we get out of it or the basis of what we experience, well, that's a kind of very unhealthy relationship. In fact, that's, if we view, view relationships like that, we're going to struggle with relationships in general. And maybe that's why so many marriages fail. That's a different sermon. But think about that. If we're in a relationship with God for what we get out of it, what we feel when we feel good, that's a terrible relationship. Here's the reality. In our relationship with Christ, we already got Christ. We already have Jesus. Your debt has been paid. Our freedom has been won. We have been given eternity. Christ has invited us to this table to feast. His body broken for us. His blood poured out for us. He has invited us to the table to feast. That's the truth. How do we respond to truth? 
What are we bringing to the table? That's what we have to think. What am I bringing to the table when it's time to worship and it's time to praise? It's time to sing. It's time to tell God how good he is. What am I bringing to the table? I'm just going to tell you what I bring to the table, how I prefer to respond. I bring me. I bring myself. I bring my struggles. I bring my, my weariness. I bring my hurt. I bring my, my future, my, my desires, my dreams, all my failures. I bring it all. I bring it to God. And I lay them down before God and declare him king of my life. I submit to his direction and his guidance. I, I submit to his correction and his leading. I, I'm not perfect at this. I'm not the perfect worshiper. I'm not the perfect worship leader. I'm not the perfect Christian. I, but that was never actually the requirement. It was just to bring myself and declare the praises of God. I choose to bring myself to declare the praises of God who loves me no matter what season of life I'm in. I choose to declare the praises of God when we gather in this place together. No one is asking us to fake it. Nobody's asking us to go through the motions. We are simply invited to choose Christ. To choose to declare the praises of God no matter what. I want to invite the rest of our worship team up this morning. I, I, want, I wanted to finish this morning by just declaring the praises of God. We do this in music. It's very simple. It's not some spiritual crazy, you know, thing. We do this in music. We do this in song because there's repetition, because there's a beat, because there's rhythm. Like, we can do this together. It's an anthem. Right? That's why we worship in song. That's, it's just an incredible thing. It's a gift that God has given us to be able to sing together, to sing his praises together. And so this morning, we're going to declare the praises of God through song. And I just wanted to, uh, last week we actually introduced this new song. We sang it again this morning. And I want to sing it again because it has to do with everything that we're talking about right now, right now. No matter what is happening in our lives, we choose to worship God. When I first heard this song, it, man, it, 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 it got me. It rocked me because I don't, I don't, I've been there. I don't feel like declaring God's you know, praises because maybe I'm too busy or I'm too tired, I'm too overwhelmed, I'm too hurt, I'm burnt out, I'm not in the right mood, I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm offended by something someone has done or somebody has said. I'm broken, whatever that is. But God is still here in this place inviting us to his table to feast. And it is such a good thing to give him praise to simply praise him. I can tell you this, that if we choose to come before the Lord and praise him, even when we don't feel like it, I can tell you this, the feelings will come. They will follow. It's such a good thing. And so this morning, I'm just gonna invite us to stand our prayer team will be up here afterward, but right now, uh, our response this morning is not just to, you know, get ministry for ourselves, but our response, I feel like our response this morning was actually that we are to minister to the Lord, that we are to give Him glory, that we are to give Him honor, that we are to give Him praise. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to sing this song again, and I'm going to ask you guys, even if you don't feel like it, even if you are like, man, we just heard this song before, I don't even like this song, I'm just asking you guys to speak these words out to the Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy, God. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you did, there's two things you could do for me. First, subscribe to our channel. 
That way, the most recent podcast will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted you, would you help us to continue to reach others by clicking on the link in the description to give now. Until next time, thank you so much for listening to The Empowered Word.